Welcome to this week's episode. It's the World of Procurement Podcast. We're talking all things procurement today. And my guest is Ed Cross. Now, Ed is the, I think his position is executive director. I may be wrong there, but he founded a company called Adesma, their procurement consultancy. And we wanted to just get together and just have a really good discussion about all things procurement. And we covered, well, I, I think we covered a lot in this episode is about 27, 28 minutes long. We cover you know, a bit of Ed's background. He's covered so many different things within procurement, it's crazy. We also talk about COVID. I think Ed is knowledgeable on this. And the reason being is he's placing a lot of procurement consultants across businesses, across different sectors, and he's getting feedback all, all the time. And I, I just thought he was in a really good position to actually talk about it rather than just giving commentary on it. I think there's been a lot of people giving commentary on COVID without experiencing it. So that's what I wanted to get from this. But we also talk about how procurement professionals are going to have to be almost molded. What are the characteristics of procurement professionals moving forward? What skills are important? And why we might really just need to go back to basic procurement Why? individuals who are undertaking procurement may need to start looking at more competitive procurement rather than single source of source procurement why we might need to start building better relationships to be customer of choice rather than suppliers of choice it's a really good conversation you'll enjoy it and yeah just go and give ed a lot of love follow him check out what he's up to and enjoy the podcast ed it's really good to have you on the world of procurement podcast and it's it's a bit of a weird one for me and we were just talking because we actually haven't spoken at all uh so far uh in person so i'm really interested to hear a little bit uh, a little bit more about you because i've looked on linkedin you've been doing this for was it 30 plus years procurement and it'd just be good to hear a little bit about your your history and what you're up to now of course okay thank you daniel so um i'm a procurement old lag so i sort of imprisoned <laughs> myself in procurement as a 22 year old graduate and then sort of never left. So I've worked in line procurement, buying electronics. I've worked in consultancy with people like PricewaterhouseCoopers, um, you know, dispensing advice and guidance and reading other people's watches. And <laughs> subsequently, uh, until six years ago, I was involved in procurement outsourcing and I ultimately ran exchanging procurements, uh, outsourcing operations globally, uh, moved the business to be number three in procurement outsourcing so i've seen sort of all sides of the equation you know consultancy line procurement and doing procurement wholesale over a longer term for others uh, i've worked globally as you'd expect um, as i described and then for the last six years i uh, have run a procurement consultancy called adesma uh, adesma is a conventional transformational procurement consultancy with a slight twist and maybe as you just described me as being over 30 years in procurement, it'd be no surprise for people to hear that I'm getting on a bit. Um, I looked at the gig economy and the changes that were occurring in the market and thought, well, why wouldn't you set up a procurement consultancy where all of the delivery mechanisms, whether that's people or technology and so forth, or knowledge, were all bought on demand by Adesma and then provided to the benefit of our customers. So we sort of encompass the gig economy approach or the outsourcing approach, the way that we run our business and we deploy people and technologies that are best of breed, if you like. So if we have somebody to do, I don't know, 
cloud computing for a customer, we would deploy somebody who's done cloud computing 10 times before for that customer, which really means that two things happen. One is the outcome is more effectively delivered because the person knows their domain really, really well. And secondly, they deliver it more efficiently because they know the answer, so they get there quicker. Um, yeah. And that, that's basically Desma. We've worked globally with people like Schenker, who are a 20 billion organization. We've worked with uh, Chep, who are 5 billion. And we've worked with one or two organizations at the sort of 50 million revenue point. But um, we've surprised ourselves really that many customers have embraced a different type of model to the big blue chip, you know, 130,000 person consulting outfits. So that's us. Yeah, I like that. That's um, uh, that was a really good introduction to this. And firstly, yeah. I was, I'm just kind of reading over everything you said there because that's a crazy career that you've had, and what you're up to now sounds incredible, actually. Yeah, I, I think I'm one of the very few people that perhaps has been in procurement career and has run a large business, and then for some reason gone back to <laughs> to running a smaller business and still <laughs> staying in procurement. But it's sort of it suits me for some reason. I don't, I don't know what my friends would say about me, but um, I, I like the <laughs> cut and thrust of procurement. You know, every day is different. You've got to be sort of a bit bolshy sometimes and hard-faced, and other times you've got to be soft and diplomatic with internal stakeholders, for example. So I like the mental challenge of it all. It's, it's you know, no day, is, no day is the same, and that's what I enjoy about it. Yeah, I, I, I love that, and uh, I, I'm with you on that. It's, it's not often people's choice of career they just kind of fall into it but I, I i'm hoping that's going to change going forward because it can prove to be one quite a, a wonderful career to have in the the long term yeah and i think i just say that my two business partners in Des, in the desma nick ford and steve trailer we both have the same background we both started in procurement as graduates steve with british um british uh, steel for example so it's quite unusual really you know and particularly 30 years ago to start your career mm. in procurement and those people quite a lot of people fall into it but i must admit i fell into it i didn't i didn't have a thought that i must go into procurement it's just the way that it worked out i think as i went you know looking for a job after university but um but it um i think it's really exciting because it's so different yeah well, I, i'm with you on that 100 percent there and i mean you've got so much experience it's kind yeah. of unreal and it's quite good <laughs> to have you on this on this podcast uh obviously the, everyone's in a bit of a a position of limbo at the moment and maybe mm. people are coming out of the whole covid pandemic uh, initial shock but i mean wh wh what's your views on kind of how procurement are responding to covid19 and everything that they suddenly need to be doing or maybe the i'm, I'm not i'm trying to avoid the word pivoting here mm. at all costs because i think it's been overused but some of the changes that procurement might uh, might be making at the moment it I think I think it's it's really weird, if I'm honest. I think the first thing I'd say is that the way in which procurement teams are responding is is absolutely situational. It depends on what sector they're in. So you've got I think two two or three different things going on. I think that as there's a business requirement in different sectors that has different shapes. So if you're in manufacturing you're it and pretend you know and if you're whether you're sourcing in the uk or in europe or in the far far east the procurement team have turned themselves to sort of master expediters mm. because what we've picked up with some of our clients so one in particular in germany is that suppliers have defaulted on them 
So European suppliers have defaulted on European customers is what we're seeing. And okay. similarly, when the pandemic start kicked off with China, you know, stuff stopped. So there was a, a gap for us. And if you as a, per, you know, as a consumer, if you go to the shops and you want to buy, I don't know, a German dishwasher, you might find it hard to get the full choice at the moment because production has stopped in Europe and now it's ramped back up. So a lot of, a lot of stock has been taken. So if you're in manufacturing, the top of the business, they don't really care about price reduction, I think, at the moment for many business. I know that's a bit of a sweeping statement, but mm. what they're worried about is continuity of supply. Your suppliers have stopped making stuff. Are they going to go bankrupt? Can they supply stuff? Are they going to supply when they said? So the example I had is of a I know of a particular French supplier supplying a, supplying a German company, where they said, yeah, 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 it's all all right. Procurement are on the on the phone, and we will deliver on such and such a date, and we will deliver such such a quantity, and they defaulted on both, literally days before, because suppliers are panicking, buyers are panicking, and therefore procurement's mind has turned towards nothing more than where we all you know those of us who started in procurement where we all started which was expediting chasing stuff in so if you're manufacturing what does covid mean to you it means that you know the the, the rubber has to hit the road in terms of getting product in to allow us to get manufacturing up and running again if you're in say food manufacturing out of a friend who works in that sector they had major issues with temporary labor and then feeding their temporary labour in their canteens. So procurement's role turned to making sure they had manpower and you know, or people power in their, business, in their business. And they had up and running canteen facilities to enable them to feed their people. The focus wasn't on cost reduction. Um, there was focus on making sure that, you know, continuity of supply and all that sort of stuff. And I think that um, you have to you have to look at the procurement landscape in that context that every sector is different. You know, if you're in services, if you're working with a telecoms company, they're in a completely different position because their demand has gone up for their product. So their, their focus is different. Their focus is on expanding their supply base, buying more or consuming more, et cetera. So it's situational. You can't, you can't put a finger on one thing at the moment in procurement. What, what I would say, though, I think that a lot of people aren't really thinking greatly about the impact on people in the business. So procurement people, for example. And I think that that's where it's got really difficult for procurement people because you can't interact with suppliers in the same way that you did. And certainly for me as a consultant, you know, running a consultancy business, it's really strange not meeting your customer and not interfacing with them. And that, I think that creates a whole series of challenges. So I know I've bounced around a bit there, but I think that, you know, the way in which procurement teams are responding to COVID is everything from blind panic, I must get the goods and services, to how do I deal with being stuck at home, staring at four walls and not having the human interaction anymore? Because I think generally procurement people are quite gregarious and they like, you know, being out there. And then there's a whole range of things in between, whether it's, you know, paying suppliers early, funding suppliers, all that sort of stuff, whether, you know, marketing themselves to certain businesses to encourage them to supply them first, et cetera, et cetera. So I think there's a whole, there's a whole range of things. And I'd say last thing, Daniel, is that all I do know from reading about pandemics, strangely, because my daughter's doing a, a, a master's degree in English literature and looking at a medieval in uh, medieval context, which I know is quite bizarre. But after every pandemic, 
in history, going right back to the Black, Black Death or the plague, society has changed significantly. So the balance of power has changed. So when the Black Death occurred, the rich got richer and the poor uh, became um, richer as well because they were able to dictate terms to the landowners because they had, there were less of them and the landowners needed workers to till the fields. So they, the landowners died as well and inherited money off their deceased relatives. So they became richer, but the workers also became richer because there were a few of them. So things will change in procurement. I know it's not the same as that, but it's a similar scenario. Things change in society when we have an event like this. I think for procurement people, the sit it's completely situational at the moment, what they're facing. What, it's more about what the outcome will look like later, I think. Does that ramble help, Daniel? Yeah, I thought it was brilliant. <laughs> I love the, the medieval point as well. I, <laughs> I, I just think it's, it's great. Like, you, um, I, I think it's very astute in what you're saying that things are going to change. We, we, we don't know how uh, going forward. And I think the situational point is, is, is spot on. I, I've seen a lot of commentary around the mm. whole COVID side of things. And I think people kind of neglect to, to consider when they're, they're writing on it or talking about it that procurement cover every single possible uh, part of the business, uh, every category going. And some people might be having to deliver far more than they've ever delivered in their life. And some people might be switching. And like you said, supporting the, the internal canteen. Uh, yeah. I thought that was a, a great example. I mean, just thinking about how things are potentially going to change. What can... Mm. I mean, this isn't going to be the last event like that, uh, like right. this. These events happen. And if you look back over the last hundred years, you, you'd see numerous events from wars to uh, Spanish influenza and other uh, events that have dramatically changed the world. I mean, how can, I mean, how can procurement professionals either ready themselves or their businesses better for this uh, disruption in the future? I think... I think that they, as I say, I think everything's situational. So, mm -hmm. yeah, but, but I think I think that that procurement people need to sort of broaden what they can do within the business. So, for example, okay, so if you look at what happens as we come out of the pandemic, so you've got, you know, some companies panicking, as you say, some perhaps a bit more nonchalant or whatever, some being successful because of the pandemic. So some sectors have picked up, you know, have increased significantly. Is that I think that, you know, some sectors, uh, say like marketing agency services, okay, there's going to be a massive increase for marketing services from agencies. Now, the landscape for marketing agencies is that they probably laid people off because they're a service business. Um, as soon as the pandemic hits, most businesses turn off lots of discretionary expenditure, marketing being one such area. Yeah. And therefore, there's going to be excess demand for marketing with limited supply. So when I was first in procurement, um, I'd I joined ICL and the year before I joined, there'd been a global shortage of electronic components because ICL made computers and everything had gone on to allocation. So you got, if you ordered, you got 50% of what you ordered and they did that fairly. Most of the suppliers did across their customer base. So we can, we can only make half of what, what you need. So we'll just give each of you half. Now with marketing agencies, we've got a sort of similar situation where there won't be enough capacity. 
So we taught when I was at ICL, and I don't think many biz businesses actively do this, is procurement functions need to market themselves to their suppliers to make themselves a customer of first choice. So counter to a pandemic, you know, everything's turned down. We hear the doom and gloom in, in the media, you know, it's all a disaster. You know, you'd think that businesses would be clamoring to supply their services, but the reality is something different. And in marketing, for example, there won't be enough supply. Therefore, procurement functions need to now and quickly identify what their clients are and then promote themselves to the suppliers that they want to work with to make sure that they get the supply that they need in the case, you know, creative agency services, for example. And I think that that really then talks to what might change out of all of this. And we don't really know, do we? But we know there's some contractions in certain sectors in the economy. You know, there's people losing the jobs. So there's going to be scarcity of supply in some, some areas. There's going to be greater risk in other areas because you know your uh, overseas suppliers have dried up or whatever you need to think about where you're going to get your product from because you buy manufactured i don't know um metal tubing or whatever it'd be in short supply some businesses will have gone bankrupt so that supply won't reappear quickly so the sorts of things that i think that procurement teams not need to start thinking about is you know how they market themselves um what really get they need to be a lot more active in their sourcing strategy and for me most procurement teams when you go meet them generally have don't do new sourcing activities they stay with mm. their existing suppliers and renegotiate you know and so forth but they don't generally identify who the other players are in the market who the emergent talent is in the market etc so i think for procurement people there's a bit of a back to basics of really thinking about you know how i manage risk will i have a risk register will i have a series of mitigating actions will i have new sourcing strategies will i have um you know a process for identifying new and emerging suppliers will i have a strategy around um localizing supply because most of the economists i've heard talking recently have said that regardless of the pandemic there was a shift you know particularly with donald trump's politics and the rest of it is there's been a shift away from global sourcing to local sourcing and nearshore sourcing so for example they're saying that in the us for example um you're probably going to see repatriation of manufacturing to from the far east to mexico to cuba to you know guatemala to you know maybe even the caribbean and places like that um so you know as a procurement professional is that where your business is going what's your what's the business strategy are you going to act on that type of stuff so i think the the way that you know the procurement teams will need will change and the ways in which they need to react i think it's partly a bit of a back to basics as i was when i was in manufacturing we used to do a lot of new sourcing events for supply i think they they need to drive on that basis they need to drive in the procurement marketing space etc and they need to do some some work i think around you know first second third tier suppliers and working out where their product is coming from what the supply chain looks like looking at the you know value engineering that process again the skills that are sort of not in abundance i think and that's without thinking about digitization and the rest of it yeah so I, that answers your question yeah no I, I thought that was great i mean i think your point on the new sourcing activity is is and uh, is absolutely needed going forwards because i mean from just my experience in aerospace I'm constantly yeah. having to source new suppliers who can innovate in that space 
And we're not really talking necessarily about innovation right now. We're talking about building that resilience and surviving and just trying to find suppliers who can potentially fill in for suppliers that have defaulted, gone bust and uh, are no longer there. So, I mean, when I, when I think about a, a procurement professional, uh, in just moving forward over the next few years, is it really just about going back to basics, looking at risk, looking at the wider supply chain, like you said, not just the tier one suppliers and having a good relationship with them, but trying to figure out where your supply truly is coming from and actually doing some new sourcing and not just going to the same old suppliers who maybe yeah. get a little bit of discount or do something a little bit different each year. So I think what I think, but also what I've seen, you know, webinars and the stuff I've watched mm. over the, you know, while we've been under lockdown is that it seems to be the case that we're going to shift back towards dual and multi-sourcing. So yeah. I think, that, you know, the pandemic is a wake up call and say, you know, to, I can't just so I can't just source in low cost countries. I can't just have all my, you know, be completely reliant on China or Vietnam or wherever for product. I need some more, I need more local capability. And I think that's also against the backdrop of the political global dimension changing, you know, with countries moving away from globalization to more towards localization politically. So therefore, mm. I think that procurement needs to, you know, will probably and go back towards being more of a sourcing agent rather than a maintenance agent, if you like, of its suppliers. I hadn't really thought of that before, but you know, a lot of procurement mm. from the maintaining the supply base, they're not, yeah. they're not actively developing new sources unless, as you say, you're in aerospace or in a high tech sector more broadly. So I think what we'll see is more emphasis on rounded procurement professionals looking at where else they can get their product and whether they can, you know, go to Eastern Europe, for example, or whether they can bring activity onshore for part of what they buy. Because I think, you know, what will live long in the memory for leaders of business is, you know, CFOs and CEOs, et cetera, is this exposure they had to, you know, to supply. And when, you know, something's on eight weeks away in China on a boat and you know that the economy in China can just be shut down much more firmly than maybe that it was in the West, it has been in the West. It makes you worry, doesn't it? Because you're thinking, well, if I'm, it did, you know, price, price is important, but I, I, if I haven't actually got the product to supply, I'm dead yeah. as an organisation. So I think, I think there's a shift there. And I think that the other, the other bit really, you know, as much talked about, you know, nobody's got an opinion on this, but there's that basic sourcing stuff there's and then the second piece is um around digitization i think um lots of businesses have digital agendas but haven't moved very fast on them but the technology <laughs> is out there so i think that what you'll see is a shift in procurement where perhaps the the more advanced procurement leader will want to bring in people who are digitally savvy into their businesses because i think that what what you know what's been proven working from home and trying to run the business has a massive reliance on digital technologies whether it's zoom or whatever or whether it's your e-procurement or e-sourcing or e-contract management system so i think that i think i think ultimately digitization is going to be accelerated because of covid19 it's not been yet because businesses aren't spending money <laughs> yeah but i think if we go out of this year into next year i think there'll be a, a big uptick in you know the application of digital technologies and that will include digital procurement technology and that will need 
a certain type of procurement person, you know, somebody who's got vision around digital and procurement and also has the ability to um, transform and change manage. So I think I think that they're, they're the two shifts that I see really, but I think you can't underestimate how profound potentially local sourcing could become in the West. Yeah. And it, it was it was something that was happening anyway, I think, because of politics, you know, global politics. But I think it will ex accelerate that activity. And then it'd be, you know, as I said, behind that is driving that is a strategy to maybe dual source. A lot of businesses are single sourced these days, mm -hmm. aren't they? Yeah. And back in the day when I started procurement, generally you weren't. And that might be just a lack of control, I don't know, or, or, or a deliberate thing. But um, I think that will shift. Yeah, I, I think that's <laughs> it was an incredible answer. And I'm with you. I, I see um, when I go, go uh, across to lots of different businesses and especially private sector, a lot of them are quite reliant on just one or, well, normally just one supplier uh, for one I think, particular source. Yeah. And most people don't know who, how their suppliers are doing. And most yeah. organizations rely on, you know, the, the, the Dun & Bradstreet's of this world you know, <laughs> yeah. to tell them how their supplier's doing. Well, Dun & Bradstreet only tell you when the supplier's gone bankrupt. Yeah. Because their data is out of date. And I think going back to the digital piece and some conversations I had one, with one or two customers, I'm, I'm, I'm really surprised there hasn't been a massive uptick in, a, you know, in demand for real-time technologies that tell you how your suppliers are doing yeah because the data's yeah. out there you know so you know on social media platforms you can understand how your suppliers you can get a sentiment about your suppliers you know if a supplier is uh inappropriately sourcing in you know some far-flung location and using child labor or exploiting people or whatever generally you can find that out on social media yeah before um, you would know about it you know and then it gets into the media and so forth and i think i'm really surprised that there haven't there hasn't been and I expect there probably will be an emergence of pro platform providers who have an, a combined technology that describes exactly what's going on in the marketplace based on sentiment. Because you could probably tell that uh, you could probably identify a supply is going to go bankrupt early that way because you get a clamor from customers complaining about not being, um, you know, or supplies not being paid, etc. So I think I think there's there's perhaps some niche technologies that will come through more quickly because of this, and they just as long as their price the price point is right for them, I think there should be good adoption of that. But I think you know more knowledge, and then that lends itself to the procurement person, doesn't it? You know, do you have a knowledge person in procurement or a you know a, yeah knowledge officer in procurement? So you talk about procurement changing. You know, one is perhaps more sourcing. You think about having more digital skills. You think about your knowledge of the market. Maybe you need you know, a procurement person or two in your, in your organization who's really sort of gets a sense of what's helps the business get a sense of what's going on with regard to its suppliers. Cause you know, let's be honest, most big multinationals have tens of thousands of suppliers. Yeah. So how well, do you make sense of all that? So yeah, digital, I think, yeah. So those are the sorts of shifts I think, I don't think necessarily anything massively profound. I think perhaps just more an acceleration of things happening earlier. But, but as I said, at the moment, nobody's spending money. So we've got a relationship with a source to pay company called Zykus. And, mm. you know, we know in the UK, because we're their, their exclusive sort of partner in the UK market, um, is that it's very quiet at the moment. 
because discretionary spending's on hold. But I, I think then we will see, you know, as we go out to, into into the autumn and out of this year, I think we'll see an acceleration. Yeah, I, I'm with you on all of those yeah. points. I, I think your your point that they these things are happening now, or they were happening, but at yeah. a much slower pace. And what COVID's kind of forced upon everyone is you're gonna either have to accelerate all of these these skill sets or these uh, uh, business transformations, or you're probably going to find yourself in a lot of trouble um, as yeah. we navigate yeah. the uh, the other side of all of this. Ed, I I've, honestly I think this has been incredible. I, I've I mean, I've really enjoyed listening to you and um, I think we could talk for <laughs> way longer. And I mean, just on the point, I, I think you're very uh, clued up on the whole digital transformation point. Like some of the points you were making there are, are brilliant and I'm, I'm kind of biting my tongue not to keep asking questions because <laughs> uh, <laughs> we've come to the end of the podcast. No but just one last thing uh, before um, we end this, where, where can people find you? Is LinkedIn the best place to f- connect with you personally? Yeah. Yeah, I think so. Yes, I think so. Yeah. Yeah. Or they, yeah. The Adesma website, just adesma.co.uk, there's a contact us, but probably LinkedIn's easier and more immediate, isn't it? I think. Yeah, I'll, I'll include the Adesma link as well. That's no worries whatsoever. But I just wanted to say thanks for jumping onto the podcast, talking Pleasure. a lot of sense. And I kind of listening to you, I'm trying to. I'm trying to just go over everything that you've been saying. I think it's quite a pragmatic view. And yeah. I kind of think pragmatism is often lost in times like this. Yeah, yeah. So, yeah, I, I think I agree. And I've been in lots of presentation situations where I've talked about something that's coming soon and it doesn't, you know, e-commerce in 2000, everybody was talking about it happening really yeah. quickly. You, you have to be pragmatic about it. It didn't happen then because it was too early, you know, and people didn't, didn't respond didn't accept it mm. so i think you do i think you have to be pragmatic in life and, and realistic about what what people are able to do and businesses are capable of doing no definitely ed it's been a pleasure thanks for pleasure. coming on we'll talk soon yeah cheers Daniel. thank you